0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Two Metal For This podcast. I'm Jason, and with me, as always, is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. As always, we want to start out the show with some gratitude. We appreciate everybody for listening. And remember, give us a like and a follow on Instagram at Two Metal For This, and drop your own six list in the comment section. We will give you a shout out on the next episode.
1: Uh, yeah, I got a shout out to uh, Mr. Juan Santiago, old Juan 30. Uh had a conversation with him yesterday. He, uh, supports the show, has been listening since episode one. Comes up to me and he's like, hey, Bobby motherfucking McDermott. I'm like, what's up, buddy? He had never heard Chaos AD. Kicked it on on the way to work. And he was like, man, some serious shit. So, I think that's cool. They were helping people learn about some serious fucking metal. Also... Our little lady, Becca Odom, is a Killer Be Killed fan now. Probably has to do with Justin's comments, but whatever gets you into it, we're all here to help. So I just want to shout out to them. Thank you for commenting on uh, the show, and uh, hope you enjoy what we're giving to you. That's awesome. That absolutely yeah. makes
0: the whole episode That's what we're doing. Wild. That's what
1: the whole point is, is to share and get music out to you that you never heard of, and blow your fucking mind. God, Chaos ID. remember when you first heard that? Yeah. Yeah. God, what a treat. That's, That's amazing. amazing. awesome.
0: Okay, on this episode, we will each be talking about six supergroups and or side projects and giving you our thoughts and opinions on them. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the news. The news.
2: Merciful Fate will release two new songs in early 2023, followed by a new King Diamond full-length album. All right. And then a full Merciful Fate album. No official dates on the albums yet. Merciful Fate just finished up a tour with Creator and Midnight. Spiritbox have announced their first-ever U.S. headline tour with After the Burial and Intervals. They will hit 22 cities starting with Vancouver on April 10th and culminating in Minneapolis, Minnesota, May 10th. Tickets are on sale now. Biohazard have reunited with their original lineup for the first time in over a decade. Uh, they have four shows scheduled in Europe in August 2023, and plan to record new material at some point as well. So, Biohazard has reunited. <laughs> Bloodstock 2023 will be held at Canton Park, Derbyshire, UK, August 10th through the 13th. Bands announced so far: Killswitch Engage, Megadeth, In Flames, Anthrax, Devil Driver, Sepultura, Decapitated. Ugly Kid Joe, Odd Pick, Fit for an Autopsy, Knocked Loose, Whitechapel, Biohazard, Zeal and Ardor, King 810, Nonpoint, Unto Others, and More. Sounds like a really good lineup.
1: Except for the Ugly Kid Joe, I don't know, is that even alive? Wow. I haven't heard that in like 30 fucking years. August Burns Red have announced a
2: massive 43-stop headline tour in celebration of their 20th anniversary. The Devil Wears Prada and Bleed From Within will join them. The tour starts February 15th in Maryland. It ends May 12th in Quebec, Canada. So several members of
0: Every Time I Die have been back in the studio lately. Um, Jordan Buckley, Stephen Machish, and drummer Clayton Holyoke recently spent time in GCR studio with Will Putney laying down some new tracks. Uh, So far, there's been no mention on if guitar player Andy Williams will be involved in the new project. Uh, He has recently been focusing on his wrestling career in the AEW. Uh, There are a few clips of the band in the studio on their social media. If you want to check that out, it sounds very much in the same vein as Every Time I Die, which is what I would expect. Um, Have mixed feelings on this one. I mean... Keith Buckley was such a huge part of the band, but I'm definitely going to check out whatever they do without him too. So, so silent civilian are teasing their return. Uh, they're teasing an announcement on December the 6th. Um, for anyone that's not familiar, that is the, uh, side project from Johnny Santos, who was the lead singer of spine shank. Um, uh, so they, they have two albums that they put out previously, Pretty solid stuff. Uh, so looking forward to that. Turnstile, Ghost, and Megadeth have all been nominated for a potential Grammy for the best metal performance. Also in this same category is Ozzy Osbourne and Muse.
2: Muse. Muse is metal. is metal according to the Grammys. They need help.
0: Yeah, no. Nothing new there. They've never been able to get it right. So. No,
2: it is what it is. But
0: yeah. Muse for your grammy consideration.
1: All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here. I'm going to share with you going to rate this stuff on a one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you if I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right. So we got some new stuff for the music review section. Starting off with a new stipulation to the rating system. If you give it a one upside down pentagram, you must give six positive things about the review. Also, I've noticed that a lot of new albums have videos that go along with them. I will let you know if that is available. So, lately I've been bringing up bands that nobody's ever fucking heard of. And they're like, Bobby motherfucking McDermott, we've never heard of these bands. What are you talking about? That's why I fucking brought it up, dumbasses. Anyways, here's one you guys might know. Not a fan of this band, but I checked it out for you anyways. Chelsea Grimm, they got a new one out, Suffering Hell. Eight songs, 27 minutes. Deathcore out of Utah. The first song, Origin of Sin, has a video. See what we did there? Now, like I said, not really a fan. The album I had queued up before this was not awesome, so... Kind of swayed my view on this album. Chelsea Grant. It's fucking heavier and shit. God damn, they got some heft to their fucking riffs. Deep vocals are pretty cool. Can't stand the high screech, but I've mentioned that before. Drums are on fucking point. Credit where credit's due. They know what they're doing and they're showing you on this album. Still not a fan, but they did win me over with this album. There's like four fucking banging ass songs on there that I will be going back to check out. Deathbed Companion is a great fucking song which then goes into crystal crystals casket which i think is their best song on the album super cool riffs drums wacky noises it's fucking all kind of good stuff um with this style I feel like Lorna Shore these guys maybe fit for an autopsy are kind of setting the bar on what you do and uh sucks for these guys They didn't know Lorna Shore is dropping that album but uh yeah, they still put a valiant fucking effort out. Four and a half upside down pentagrams. Chelsea Grin.
2: Chelsea Grin's lead singer, Tom Barber, is the former Warner Ashore lead singer. Oh, is that right? Yes, sir. Did not know that. There you go. 2010 to
1: 2018, right. the original.
2: I also didn't
1: know that. That's cool. Hey, knowledge. Fact check. All right, next up Dead Body, The Requiem. Eight songs, 20 minutes. Second song without an honor has a video. This is death metal hardcore, not deathcore, not metalcore, not hard death. It's fucking death metal hardcore. And the album is absolutely fucking brutal. Six upside down pentagrams. Now, this next band, I never heard of them. Picked it because of the name. Sounded cool. Freedom from fear. These guys are out of Australia, so I wasn't happy about that. Carpathia is the album. Nine songs, 39 minutes. The first song, Zenith, has a video. So right off the get, boom! comes in with the fucking brutal drums and shit. I like that. It was so cool, it took me a few seconds to realize that they're doing the weird fucking synthie black metal shit. And I was like, oh man. But then shit got fucking cool. Uh, They don't rely too much on the symphonics, but it is here and there. Uh, Now, they got the high-pitched, screeching fucking black metal vocals, but it's a chick singing, and she pulls it off really fucking well. Naturally, she has a higher octave and doesn't have to strain her voice to hit those notes, and it makes it a bit more pleasant on the ears if you can get a pleasant sound from black metal vocals. But... She was fucking crushing it. And she's not like all up front. It's not all about the singer. She's, you know, in the mix with everybody else. It's pretty fucking even. Uh, Hans Grossman of Necrophagus, who's a pretty goddamn good drummer, he's on the drum kit on this album. Um, everybody's very fucking talented. But like I just said, Fit for an Autopsy, Chelsea Grin, Lorna Shore kind of setting the bar. And I don't think these guys are even close to it. But what they did was uh, interesting things in the songs to make up for the fact that they couldn't pull off these stunts. Like some of their arpeggios are slow and clumsy, but then they go into like a simpler, cooler groove that you wouldn't normally get from these uh, technically proficient bands. So I found that to be actually really cool. Uh, Carpathia is the title track. It was pretty cool. Uh, It has like a vampire kind of feel to it, like the gloomy doom, not like a goth dance scene but you know the dismal we're alive forever or dead forever or whatever it's shitty um, so I really enjoyed this one it was an easy 40 fucking minutes uh, I'm definitely going to check this out it's a solid 5 upside down pentagrams and that is Freedom from Fear Carpathia and I got a couple of singles that dropped Gajira Go- Gohira Gojira Go-Ira. however the fuck you say it Our Time Is Now has dropped uh not sure if they got an album coming out yet they're really revealing info on that and then crosses familiar with that band yep vivian is the single also has a video uh the ep permanent radiant should be out december 9th and i'll hopefully have a review for you on that and i'm going to swing it over to jason for our exciting group review
0: Okay, everyone. This week, we all tasked ourselves with checking out the new Disturbed album. Mm. The album is called Divisive, and it just dropped last week. The album is 10 tracks coming in at 37 minutes and 59 seconds. I'll start by saying that this album is overproduced to the point where nothing about it sounds authentic. Uh, It starts out with the song, Hey You which I'm sure will be a favorite among fans. The vocals sound super robotic, and the guitars really just don't punch through at all. Uh, the next song is Badman, which is, in my opinion, the worst song on the album. If I cared enough, I would have counted how many times Draymond says Bad man" and rhymes it with other three-letter words. For example, Bad man," you've been had, man. Another Madman. Yes, this is actual lyrics from the song. It's pretty sad, man. The title track, Divisive, is one of the most boring tracks on the album. Um, It does have a well-crafted yet uninspired guitar solo. One of the few times that the music really stands out at all in this uh, album. Unstoppable is probably the closest thing to a quote-unquote heavy song on the album, but it's still really standard, just tough guy kind of anthem. Um, it's another one of the few songs where the guitar gets a little bit of a spotlight, uh, but unfortunately doesn't really use it to do anything exciting. Um, even the song with Ann Hart really lacks the big catchy chorus that you would expect from a duet like that. Uh, the song Take Back Your Life does have a quasi-breakdown, but Draymond manages to mess it up with his rapping robot vocals. I'm sure that a lot of fans will rejoice because David Draymond has brought back the legendary ooh-wah-ah-ah-ah. <laughs> Notably, he added an ow at the end of it. So now it's ooh wah ah 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 Ow. Very clever. Overall... I tried to give the album a fair chance. I really did, despite my obvious dislike for Disturbed's music. Um, Unfortunately, there was nothing here of interest to me. I tried. I I really wanted to find some cool stuff to talk about because I know that people that are listening are fans of the band. But this is one of the most generic cookie cutter radio rock albums that I've heard in a long time. You may notice that I didn't speak very much about the actual music. And that's because there was nothing interesting to say. It feels like the music is here just to support Draymond's vocals, almost as if the music were an afterthought that was added after the vocals were laid down. So if you want to listen to pop songs with a little bit more of an edge, this is right up your alley. But it's not and will not ever be for me. Overall, I'm going to give it a one out of six upside down pentagrams. That said, Bobby mentioned that the new rule is if we give an album a one, we have to come up with six positive things to say about that. So here are my six positives for the new Disturbed album, Divisive. Number one, it's only 37 minutes long. Mm. Number two, (laughs) there are no covers on the album. This is especially good because one of the songs is called Won't Back Down. And I was terrified that it was <laughs> yes. going to be a Tom Petty cover. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Number three, and maybe most important, David Draymond's mother did not burst into the studio and beat his ass while he was trying to oh, record. thankfully. As far as we know. Number four, there was no mention of any essays and any barrios on this album. Number five, it was great to hear Ann Wilson. She still sounds great. The song, unfortunately, was lackluster, but her voice sounds amazing, and that was cool. And number six, the lyrics do have an overall positive message of unity. I'm sure that people that are actually fans of the band will find them relatable and empowering. So those are my six. What do you guys think?
2: All right, I don't know where to go from there. You pretty much covered everything. Did you notice the opening lyrics to the album are, Hey, you have you had enough yet? <laughs> have you had enough of it? <laughs> and I'm sure you thought right away, you've already had enough of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it just feels like another disturbed album. There's absolutely nothing new here. They, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to get any new fans. This is disturbed. Just doing every disturbed trick there is that they've already done. At times, it feels like they're covering their own songs because there's absolutely nothing original here. Mm. With that said, it's an album for their fans, and they give them exactly what they want, as evidence on their social media that they're getting pretty much universally loved comments from their fans. So that makes, me, makes it very hard for me to completely shit on the album. It's not for me, but I can't give it a one. I'm going to give it a two and a half because their fans love this album and that's who they made it
1: for. It's not for me. All right. Fair enough. All right. If you call yourself a metalhead and you don't like the new Disturbed album, you're 100% correct. One upside down pentagram. Six positive things coming up. Count me down, Jason. Six. It makes you want to listen to other bands you don't like. This was queued up before Chelsea Grin, and I was fucking excited to get to And I told you I don't like Chelsea Grin. I didn't know that album was going to happen. I was actually very surprised. But, yeah, if you can make me want to listen to other things I fucking hate, that's impressive. Five. Solid drumming from Mike Wingren, I guess. Nothing technically impressive, but, you know, he's doing his job. He's holding it down. He's keeping the fucking songs going and shit. On his first album, I know he was using uh, just the one kick pedal for his double bass work. Interesting to know if that still holds true. Sounds like he's using a double pedal nowadays. But what do I know? Four. Four. You can hear the bass. Not that he's doing anything cool, but a lot of times they screw over the bass player and he gets lost in the mix and stuff. And that's not cool. I don't like that. I want to hear the fucking bass. I mean, he's your friend. He's your co-worker. You're paying him. Might as well fucking hear him. Three, Feeding the Fire, song number six. You're halfway there, we're almost over. Two, 38 minutes, 10 songs, averaging about four minutes a song, which is a little long for some people. Uh, the song with the chick from Heart in there is the only slow song on the album, but it does have a pretty good pace. The drums are chugging along with the riffs and stuff, so it goes by pretty fucking quick, so good pacing. And number one. Consistency. This is their eighth album and they do not give a fuck whether you like it or not. Here's another helping of that same shit. If you like Disturbed, probably going to like this. Hooray new songs. If you don't like Disturbed, there's nothing on here that's going to sway your opinion. So that's all for sticking to your guns and doing your own thing and keeping that same fucking noise. I can respect that.
0: It's time for the top six, six, six. All right, everybody. So this week, we're going to be talking about six uh, supergroups and or side projects. Uh, some, some favorites and some just for the sake of discussion. So these are not ranked. This is just six that we thought were interesting to bring up on the show and maybe some stuff that you haven't heard. So I'm going to kick it off here with number six. My number six is The Weapon. Uh, this is Jesse Leach from Killswitch Engage, one of his many, many side projects. Uh, probably not what you would expect from Jesse Leach. This is a straightforward, hardcore punk band. Mm-hmm. They've released one album so far in 2020 titled A Repugnant Turn of Events. The album is nine songs coming in at 17 minutes and 35 seconds. Typical hardcore okay, punk nice. fashion.
1: Yeah, get it done.
0: So, straightforward, aggressive, and to the point. They get in, they get out, they get the job done. Um, if you like the way Jesse sings for Killswitch Engage, you're not going to find any of that on this <laughs> album. 17 minutes of passionate screaming about causes that he really cares about. It's aggressive. It's fun. It's, the production on it is super raw works really well on an album like this. You don't want it to be overproduced. You want it to sound exactly the way that he wanted it to be presented to you. So, um, Another cool fact on this, he initially didn't release the album on streaming services. He just put it on Bandcamp, and that's because this album came out during the pandemic, and he wanted to generate some funds so that he could then give the majority of the profits to some small local venues around the New York area. Oh, hell yeah, I wanted to help them stay afloat. So, that's cool. if you want something really different from an artist that you've probably been listening to for years, this is a good start. Uh, it is The Weapon again. That's uh, Jesse Leach from Kill Switch Engage at my number six.
1: Mm, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna check that out. All
2: right, my number six is uh, Velvet Revolver. Uh, Formed in 2002 by Stone Temple pilot frontman Scott Weiland, backed by essentially Guns N' Roses. There was Slash, Duff, and Matt Cerome. Uh, Also joining them was Duff Kushner from Wasted Youth. They only released two albums together, 2004's Contraband and 2007's Libertad. Contraband was, in my opinion, an absolute banger that showcases Weiland and Slash heavily. It's definitely worth checking out if you haven't got a a chance to hear it yet. Uh, Libertad was a bit... Of a forgettable disappointment to me. And Wyland would abruptly leave the band shortly after it's release to rejoin Stone Temple Pilots. But when they were together for Contraband, I do highly recommend uh, checking it out. It really, really slays. Yeah. All right.
0: yeah. I'm really glad you brought that one up. That was one that I definitely wanted to mention. Um, agree 100%. Contraband is just start to finish, it's awesome. It's everything you would expect from those two bands joining forces. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to see them live. Oh, nice. And it was really cool because they did the Velvet Revolver stuff, but then they did GNR stuff and they did STP stuff.
1: Oh, that's cool. They shit, nailed huh?
0: all of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, second album was a letdown for sure. Mm. It happens.
1: All right. My number six, Twin Wizard. It's a stoner doom outfit coming at you from Wisconsin formed in 2019 after drummer Anthony Dreyer departed from Telekinetic Yeti. He then hooked up with his buddy Brad Van of Droids Attack, who handles the guitar and vocals. Uh, These two kicked out the super amazing album Glacial Gods in less than six months after starting. Uh, The band describes themselves as loud, dirty, crushing rock and roll doom from the Driftless Zone. Whatever that means. Might be out there by Boogie Wonderland. Uh, This is a super group side gig or whatever you want to call it that I actually like better than their other projects. Telekinetic Yeti was cool, but I like the way the guy sings and his riffs are a bit heavier, meatier than the other guys. So yeah, Twin Wizard, Glacial Gods. Go check that out. Awesome.
0: All right. My number five is The Halo Effect. If you Haven't heard of the halo effect, the band consists entirely of former In Flames members. Uh, you've got Mikael Stane on vocals, uh, founding In Flames guitarist Jesper Strombland on rhythm guitar, Nicholas Engelin on lead guitar, Peter Ewers on bass, and Daniel Svensson on drums. Um, I think it's safe to say that these guys have outflamed In Flames especially uh, most recent in flames work they formed in 2020 and they put out their album days of the lost in 2022. Um, If you're a fan of Clayman era and earlier in flames, this is going to be like candy for you. Uh, You're going to eat it up. It's one of my favorite albums of the year so far, fully captures the Swedish death metal sound that many of us know. And it sounds like it could have came out in the mid nineties, but it has slightly cleaner production which for me personally is a good thing because even though it's endearing to a lot of fans, I never cared for the production on a lot of the older and flames albums. So yeah, I, I always thought it could have sounded better. So, uh, I really like the production on this. It's clean enough, but it doesn't make any sacrifices. You still get all the punch from the guitars. Everything sounds good. The album is 10 songs coming in at 40 minutes and 46 seconds. It's all bangers. Uh, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Uh, on a side note Inflame seems to be kind of stepping it up a little bit and kind of going back to a heavier sound and I think it could be the result of the halo effect. Hmm. That's my number five, the halo effect.
2: All right. I somehow missed that album. I'm going to have to definitely look it up. You should. All right. My number five is audio slave formed in 2001 with sound gardens, Chris Cornell backed, essentially with Rage Against the Machine. You have Tom Morello, uh, Tim Commerford, and Brad Wilk. Expectations were high, because you essentially have Rage Against the Machine and Chris Cornell together here. Uh, they released three albums together, 2002's self-titled, 2005's Out of Exile, and 2006's Revelations. I enjoyed parts of the self-titled album, but beyond that, this band really never did anything for me. Uh, I'm not sure what I expected, but it kind of gave me more of a middle-of-the-road rock sound. Mm-hmm. and It just wasn't it for me. Uh, Cornell's vocals are always strong. The overall package just didn't work. Jason, you're shaking your head over there. What do you think of this band?
0: Well, that's it's interesting to me because my first impression was everything that you just said. And it literally took me years for this band to click. And it was not until the third album came out that I really appreciated the first two. And I could see the progression because the first album, even though there's some really good songs on there, it still sounded like Chris Cornell singing over Rage Against the Machine. And the two things just didn't really mesh all that well. Mm -hmm. By the time they got to the second album and then especially on the third, they sounded like a cohesive band. And now I find myself listening to them pretty often. So maybe it'll click for you eventually. Um, I definitely understand why, why it didn't click
1: for you though, because Mm -hmm. My initial reaction was disappointment, too. Yeah, I'm about the say I'm I didn't really. I was excited for it. I was a big Soundgarden fan like Rage, but it, it didn't do it for me either. Um, good quality songs, but uh, this wasn't the direction I wanted to go. So I'm with you on that one, Justin. So it's uh, Audio Slave is my number five. Mm-hmm. Number five, Death Breath. Originally, they were going to be called Black Breath, and then they found out nobody used the fucking title, so they are like, cool, Death Breath. Swedish death metal band formed in 2005, featuring guitarists and vocals by Robert Pernsen of Thunder Express, and of course, Doom Their Target, drummer Nick Anderson from Entombed. The bass duties are being handled by Scott Carlson of Repulsion. He was also in Death, and he was also in Cathedral, so that dude's fucking pretty goddamn badass. And their buddy Eric Wallen on the other guitar. Now, the dudes in the band have said they do not consider this a side project. They're all pretty fucking serious about this band. That being said, the the goofy-ass lyrics remind you a lot of uh, S.O.D. It's like an in version of S.O.D. Like good, solid fucking music, but silly fucking lyrics. Uh, Stinking Up the Night is their only full-length album. That gives you a little insight to what they're talking about. Uh, A couple of EPs ahead, Let It Stink and Old Hag. So if you want to listen (laughs) to something heavy and have a little chuckle at the same time, go check out Death Breath. Love those guys.
2: They're killing it with the titles and names. Oh, yeah, they're having fun.
0: All right, so my number four pick is The Damn Things. Uh, I'm a little biased on this one because I'm a big Every Time I Die fan, and The Damn Things are a super group that consists of Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die on vocals. It's got Scott Ian from Anthrax on rhythm guitar. And backing vocals. Uh, Joe Troman from Fallout Boy on lead guitar. And Andy Hurley from Fallout Boy on the drums, as well as Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio on bass. So you got a lot of heavy hitters. Interesting, uh, when I first heard it, you know, probably the same reaction that I'm seeing from you guys is like, really? These guys from Fallout Boy are jamming with dudes from Every Time I Die? And Scott Ian? That's crazy. Um, so they put out their first album in uh, called Ironoclast in 2010. Um, if you like Every Time I Die, you're going to like it. It's got all of the feel-good, party, sleazy rock and roll stuff that you get from uh, Every Time I Die, but just in small doses. Here, it's at the forefront. You want riffs? They got you covered. Check out songs like Friday Night. You'll feel like you're partying it up in the late 80s. Uh, You want all the clever puns and the double entendre that you get from Keith Buckley? He's got you covered there, too. The lyrics are everything that you would expect. They're silly. They're creative. They're full of puns, fun stuff. You want the heavy? They got that, too. Songs like Grave Robber from the first album bring some super heavy, sludgy sounding guitars um, with some screaming and crooning from Keith Buckley. Uh, they did also put out a second album in 2019 that's called High Crimes. Uh, I'd actually say that the second album is more fun, super high energy. Again, it's just partying stuff. It's just you're going to feel good. You're going to want to have a good time. If you're drinking, hanging out with your friends, it's a good album to check out. Um, overall, like it, it's a solid lineup with some cool stuff. Super cool to hear that the guys from Fallout Boy have more to offer than just boring radio pop yeah. punk um, and I was lucky enough to see them live. Um, they were fantastic, but unfortunately, Scott Ian could not make it for that performance, so I was super bummed about that. Um, but definitely a really solid, uh, as far as side projects, supergroups go, the damn things are my number four pick.
1: Yeah, I do remember when they came out and the, the fallout boy with Scott Ian. I was like, what the fuck? And I gave it a listen, and I was like, oh, good for you guys. that That's not the only shit you crank out, so. Yeah, it was uh, surprisingly impressive.
2: All right. My number four that we're going to talk about here is uh, Fozzy. Formed in 1999 with Chris Jericho on vocals, who's to this day still mostly known for being a professional wrestler. The band features lead guitarist Rich Ward and drummer Frank. uh, How do you say his last name? Foncier, Foncier. Foncier. Yeah. From Stuck Mojo. Jericho himself characterizes the band by saying if Metallica and Black Sabbath had a bastard child, it would be Fozzy. I mean, I guess. If you take everything that makes those bands cool and give us some generic, generic radio rock, that's actually what Fozzy pretty much is. Uh, Ward originally put the band together, first calling them Fozzy Osborne as strictly a cover band. Then he would shorten it to Fozzy in 2000 when Jericho became a full-time member. Uh, They would begin to write original material at that time as well. Uh, They've released eight albums over the years. Uh, They've seen some success and you can find them on festivals to this day and Jericho's annual rock and wrestling rager at sea Cruise that he does, which incorporates wrestling and rock and metal music together. Uh, far and away, their most popular song is Judas. It came out in 2017. It's got over 57 million streams on Spotify, and I'm pretty sure that's what they uh, carry any current success on. Um, you guys familiar with the band at all? I know both of you mentioned Stuck Mojo last mm-hmm. week or the week mm-hmm. before.
1: I remember when when it was uh, Fozzie Osborne, they were doing covers and stuff. It was kind of fun, but then they got serious and it became less fun.
0: I had no idea that's where the name came from. That's pretty cool. But yeah, it sounds like it would have been better before when they were doing covers. I've, I've listened to it. I mean, it's it's not bad, objectively. It's not for me. I mean, not what I expected from the guy that brought me Stuck Mojo, but you
2: know. Definitely not. I think it was uh, more interesting when it was covers as well, Bobby. They should have stuck with the Fozzie Osborne thing, and Chris Jericho was known as Moongoose McQueen then on stage. It was definitely a lot more interesting at that time when it was just a parody. Yeah,
0: man, but he's the Ayatollah of rock and roll, so...
1: Yeah, and a million other things. Bobby, what you got for number four? Number four, Shrine Builder, American Stoner Doom Metal Supergroup, featuring Scott Kelly of Neurosis on guitar and vocals, Al Cisneros of Sleep and Home on the bass, Dale Crover of the Melvins on drums, and Scott Wino Weinrich of The Obsessed on guitars. Scott Wino, that dude's in like 70,000 million projects. So, yeah, uh, this is one of them. They just did the one self titled album, only has five songs on it, but they're all pretty fucking epic. And uh, it's a very interesting mix of musical styles. These are all legends of the Stoner Doom scene, and they all bring their unique approach and made the album pretty fucking cool. Um, Each song is kind of written by a different guy, and you can tell which one if you're familiar with each other, each member's other projects and stuff. Uh, Pyramid of the Moon is the standout song for that stuff. Uh, It's a great album. I wish they would go back and do another project, uh, but these guys are obviously busy doing other things. But yeah, Shrine Builder is a really cool supergroup album. All right, my number three pick
0: is Ibaraki. Uh, This is the side project of Matt Heafy from Trivium. Uh, The name is taken from a Japanese demon So this is Hefe's uh, solo project where he explores his musical influences a little more freely than what he can do with Trivium. Trivium kind of has at least somewhat of a core sound. They kind of stick to it. So uh, he specifically explores his black metal side on this project. He actually works with Isan from Emperor. Uh, Isan engineered, did some co-writes and produced the album. Uh, Hefe really wanted to write about the Norwegian folklore but his son reminded him that all of that stuff's kind of been done already and he should focus on something that he knows. So if he decided to embrace his own culture and instead he explores Japanese heritage. <laughs> um, so he came up with the concept of using black metal to tell stories of traditional Japanese lore instead of using the Norwegian stuff. So, right. um, so a lot of the album is based on uh, the Japanese religion Shinto that Hefi learned about from his mother Um, so basically if you want to hear an album about Japanese demons with a black metal twist, this is a good album for you to check out. Mm. Uh, the album is 10 songs, one hour and one minute. Uh, it has features from Nurgle from behemoth, uh, and Asan, which, uh, is also from emperor for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, album definitely takes you on a journey, not just lyrically, but musically as well. Um, the songs are long and Epic, It's a pretty far departure from anything that Matt's done with Trivium. You got all of the dark elements, the symphonics and stuff from black metal. Um, But then you still have Hefe throwing in some of his clean vocals, which seems to complement the songs. And it kind of breaks up the songs a little bit so they can breathe. Um, Think more like an album like, uh, or a band like Opeth on an album like Ghost Reveries. It kind of has that feel where you got some really heavy, intense parts, and then you got some valleys where it kind of eases off, and then it takes you back in and starts kicking your ass again. So mm-hmm. kind of like that. Um, overall, it's definitely one of the most interesting side projects that I've heard. Have, have you guys heard this at all? No, nah, I'm not
2: familiar with that at all. I have not. I'm familiar with his uh, side project with Dynes, Dynes Heafy, X yeah. that was pretty good but i haven't heard this yet so i'll definitely be checking it out this is
0: definitely it's something different like you want to be in the right mindset um it's it's going to take you on a journey and you're going to need to commit to some long songs Hmm. but it's worth it you got so much going on here it's it's super interesting Hmm. and if you're someone that kind of likes some of the black metal stuff but you don't really get down with all the high-pitched screaming like what bobby was talking about earlier and also, a lot of black metal doesn't really let up enough where it should. This kind of hones it in, and, and it's a little bit more of a, I'll say, I guess, a polished presentation, hmm. but it works really well. And it's still true to, you know, a lot of the traditional stuff, but it's, it's a better version of it, in my opinion.
2: Oh, well, so, Japanese black metal. So that
0: is Ibaraki at my number three.
1: Nice.
2: All right, my number three is uh, Divine Heresy. Formed in 2006 by Dino from Fear Factory, the band featured Tommy Vexed on vocals, drummer Tim Young from Vital Remains and Hate Eternal, and Joe Payne from Nile on bass. Uh, They would release an absolutely brutal album, Bleed the Fifth, in 2007. But in 2008, we would get our first taste of Tommy Vex being Tommy Vex as an onstage altercation would get him booted from the band. Travis Neal would replace him later that year, and they would release a second album in 2009 called *Bringer of Plagues*, uh, which is a solid album. It's just not as powerful as the debut. By 2010, there was no mention of this band on the record label's website anymore. In 2011, both Payne and Young left the band. By 2015, Dino was confirmed; he was the only remaining member. But in August 2022, so just a few months ago, Dino announced Lauren Hart from once Human has a new vocalist. Gabe Sieber from Decrepit Birth is now on drums and they are set to be recording new material. Hmm. Have either of you heard of Divine Heresy?
0: Oh, um, of yes, I love me some Divine Heresy. And what did you say the girl's name is? Lauren Hart. She is sick. Like, if you listen to her with Once Human. That's a band that she does with Logan Mater. If you guys haven't checked that out, okay. that's it's awesome. Hmm. Um, but she's going to kill it uh, on that position. Like She's going to be better than Vexed. I'm hey, calling I'm it a, now. I'm excited you for this. think
1: that's the secret Fear Factory singer?
0: No. Uh, and I And I only say that because I heard Dino say it in an interview. Oh, she can. tried out for Fear Factory, and that's how she ended up in Divine Heresy. Because uh, okay. he uh, liked her, but she wasn't the right fit right. For, that's
1: cool, for Fear man. Factory. Hmm.
2: But yeah, hey, I'm,
0: I'm looking forward to that.
2: For sure. That first Divine Heresy album is excellent. If you haven't checked it out, please go back and give it a spin. It's Bleed the Fifth.
1: Nice. What you got for number three, Bobby? Number three, The Teenage Time Killers. It started in 2014 by Mick Murphy, the guitarist of My Room, and Reed Mullen, the drummer for Corrosion of Conformity. It's kind of like a punk rock version of Probot. It's like a fucking super duper group. There's 10 million thousand motherfuckers in the band. Uh, just to name a few: Dave Grohl on the bass, I Greg Anderson, guy. Greg Anderson on guitar, Nick Oliveri on bass, Pat Smear on guitar, Corey Taylor on vocals, Rand- guy? Randy Blythe on vocals, never heard, of Neil Fallon on vocals, huh. Jello Biafra, and like a shit ton more. There's 24 songs, 49 minutes. There's like, every fucking song's got a different bag of fucking musicians. It's like a- Ultra mega group. It's like the probot. It's, Pro a, bot, it's but a super duper group. It's fucking super duper. It's uh I don't like all the songs, you know, because you got different arts in there doing a little different things, but it's just good fun punk rock with all these different musicians having fun, throwing their own little stank on there. It's a uh, great fucking um Teenage Time Killers Greatest Hits, volume one. Go check that shit out. I nice. will. Yeah.
0: yeah, sounds awesome. All right, my number two pick is Dream Widow. Dream Widow is a fictional band in the movie Studio 666, uh, which is based on a story by Dave Grohl and Stars Grohl, along with the rest of the band, the Foo Fighters. Uh, Dave Grohl decided to turn this into an actual project and record a full-length album for the movie. Uh, The self-titled album is eight songs, clocking in at 42 minutes and 31 seconds. And this shit's brutal. Uh, Dave plays all of the instruments on the album, With the exceptional lead guitar, Uh, he did have some help from James Rhoda from Fireball Ministry, helped provide the lead guitar on that. Uh, But I know you hear Dave Grohl. You don't necessarily associate him with metal, but this album is a legitimate heavy metal album. Mm -hmm. It's got thrash elements. It's got death metal. It's got groove, and it's got a little doom in there. Um, He shows all the versatility on his vocals as well. You hear a little bit of Hetfield. You hear a little bit of Araya little bit of Anselmo, but mostly you hear Dave Grohl kind of giving it his own spin. Uh, He even pulls off death metal growls in the album. It's not anything that you would expect. And there's a little bit of everything. Like I said, from one song to the next, you don't know what it's going to be. You might be a little thrashy here and then it's going to slow down. But the one thing that you do get is dark and evil from start to finish. Mm -hmm. For people that are familiar with Foo Fighters, It doesn't sound anything like that. This is not the guy that made all those silly videos that you watched on MTV. This is a much darker, brooding Dave Grohl, and I love it. So my number two pick is Dream Widow. If you haven't checked it out, put it on your list.
1: Yeah, I like those guys a lot. All
2: right, my number two is Hell Yeah. Formed in 2006 with vocalist Chad Gray and guitarist Greg... Trebet from Mudvayne, also featuring Jerry Mon- Montano and uh, Tom Maxwell from Nothing Face, Vinnie Paul from, of course, Pantera. The band has released six albums with a couple of lineup changes over the years. Uh, when I heard, first heard of this lineup, I was excited. Very excited. Hell yeah, you were. Hell yeah, I was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a killer lineup. That should make some from very interesting music, right? Then the first song came out, and I think it was pretty much all downhill from there. Uh, Generic's an understatement. I never got it. It never clicked for me. I I stopped to watch them live at Rockville one year, and it still didn't even click live. Nothing about the band was interesting outside of the members of the band. And I just counted the days until they split, and we seen something else again like Mudvayne, and that's exactly what happened last year. My number two is Hell Yeah. What did you guys think of Hell Yeah? I know you're both familiar with them. Uh, hell no. Wasn't
1: a fan. I was, I piqued my interest when I heard it was going to happen, you know, because he got Vinny. I was like, hey, you know, that might be cool, but it, uh, sucked. Didn't like it. Uh, generic isn't understatement. What a fucking brutal fucking thing to say. And I totally agree. Uh, did not like that band at all. There's way too much talent in that band. So much potential like to do some cool shit and you fucked it up.
0: So everything you guys just said, I remember being super pumped up when I heard about it. And when I heard the first song, I was immediately disappointed. Mm. And on that first album, they had such an identity crisis. They were trying to do this almost Southern country type thing. And they were it it did not work. I think Bobby hit the nail on the head. It was just so generic and just not what you would expect from that group of people like so much talent. Um, so it's funny cause I never liked a single album that they put out until 2019. They actually finished the album that they started making, um, with Venny. It was his last album. Mm. They finished it and it actually ended up being a pretty solid album. I don't know what made me listen to it, mm. but I ended up really liking it. Um, it's the only thing in their catalog that I think is worth checking out. And there's some cool tribute songs uh, to Vinny on there as well. So.
2: Hmm. I'll admit I never checked out the last album. I nah. checked out of the band quite a while ago, but they were, I, a, I'll go, I'll go give it a listen. They were a very
0: inconsistent band and they just really, I mean, where's the hook?
1: Sometimes it doesn't work. Number two, <laughs> hell yeah. Or hell no. as <laughs> <says>. <laughs> All right. Number two. Tomahawk. I like this supergroup a lot. Originally formed in 1999, we got Dwayne Dennison of the Jesus Lizard on guitar, John Stanier of Helmet on the drums, originally Kevin Rootmanis of the Melvins on bass for the uh, first three albums, but he would be replaced by Trevor Dunn of Mr. Bungle. Uh, He joined in 2013. And good old Mike Patton on the vocals. They described their style as cinematic rock since all the band members are into movie soundtracks uh it's applicable I'd say definitely some really cool stuff with this band interesting grooves between Stainier and Rootmanis but of course it gets fucking weird cuz goddamn Mike Patton band but still I think it's definitely more approachable for the masses than any of his other projects They're, it's pretty fucking slick sounding It's really cool alternative rock it's not really metal but it ain't no pussy shit either uh Tomahawk I got several albums out. They're all good. Go check them motherfuckers out.
0: Yeah, I would agree in terms of accessibility. Mm. As far as Mike projects, Mike Patton projects, this is the one that probably more people could get into, especially if you're a fan of like Deftones or something like that. It's it's sort of got that kind of, Mm -hmm. it's got the heavy moments, but yeah, a lot of it is more like alternative and kind of shoegazy type stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty good. All right, my number one pick is Kingdom of Sorrow. Uh, this is a side project by Jamie Josta from Hatebreed on the lead vocals and Kirk Winstein from Crowbar and Down, uh, who does lead guitar and vocals as well. Um, the guys teamed up with Nick and Charlie Belmore to form a sludge metal project, which is quite a departure for Jamie Josta but not so much for Kirk. That's kind of right in his wheelhouse. That's what he's known for. It's what he does. So obviously this works out really well. Um, The project is a special one for me because I know a lot about the history of these guys. And I know that Josta was a huge fan of Crowbar and of Kirk in particular. And it's pretty cool that they not only became friends, but they ended up doing a project together. Uh, So if you had any doubts about Josta being able to pull off this style of music, you would be completely wrong. Uh, Kirk and Josta's vocals complement each other very well and they're able to incorporate a little bit of the like anthemic style lyrics that you know from hatebreed, but just in a small doses and right where it's needed, overall you get like a doomy sludgy vibe more like like crowbar. Uh, the guitar tone is really gritty a um, lot more than you would find on anything that Josta does and you get to hear Josta pull off some different tricks with his vocals than what he normally would do with hatebreed. Hate Breed is pretty committed to their core sound and they've never really changed it too much. So for me in particular, I found this album super interesting because I heard Josta do some things that I didn't even know he could do. So the band put out out two albums so far. They had a self-titled album that came out in 2008 and another album in 2010 that was called Behind the Blackest Tears. Both albums are great front to Mm -hmm. back. I prefer Behind the Blackest Tears. I think they kind of honed in their sound there. They had some really catchy stuff. Um, if you're a fan of bands like Down and I Hate God, you're probably going to love both of these albums. That's my number one pick, Kingdom of Sorrow.
1: What do yeah, you guys they think? They are cool. Uh, you just recently informed me of them a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, they're pretty cool stuff, man.
2: It's really cool hearing Jamie uh, slow down. <laughs> yeah, not you something know? he does. Mm. It's It's very interesting stuff. All right. My number one is A Perfect Circle, formed by musician Billy Howardell and fronted by Maynard James Keaton from The Legendary Tool. They released Murdy Gnomes in 2000, 13th Step in 2003, and then the remix cover album Emotive in 2004 before going on hiatus until around 2011. Uh, they would release one more album titled Eat the Elephant in 2018. Uh, Murdy Gnomes and 13th Steps" are absolute classics. And there's very few, if any, low points on both albums. A Motive is loaded with great, interesting covers. I never really got into that last album, but overall, Perfect Circle are a great example of a side project done right, in my opinion. Uh, I finally got to see them live in 2017 at Rockville. They were absolutely flawless. They delivered on every single level. Uh, Maynard has another side project called Pusifier, which I think is an absolute abomination, and I wish he'd just quit wasting his time on it. But A Perfect Circle... If you haven't heard it, go check it out. You can put on any of the albums. Even that last album, it's, You know, it might not have been for me, but it's still solid stuff there.
1: Uh, I know the first album had uh, Josh Free on drums. Is he still with the band? That dude's fucking incredible. Fact check, I'm not sure offhand. All right, but it, the first album was definitely him, and he's really fucking good. And uh, I haven't heard the last album. That's what I was asking. So Came out
2: in 2018, Eat the Elephant. There's some interesting stuff on there.
1: Yeah, and Let's I think and we had...
0: I think we had James Eha from uh, Smashing Pumpkins for a while as well.
2: Yeah, their lineup is... Um, it's been Billy and Maynard are the main two, but right. they have changed out members right. from time to time.
0: But yeah, I actually think that... Uh, give that new one another spin at some point. It's, if it catches you at the right time, you're going to like it, but it definitely is a lot more mellow. Like, there's not really... You're not going to get any of the heavier stuff. Not that they have much, but... Hmm. It's the mellowest thing they've done, but it's also vocally some of the best stuff that I heard from Maynard.
2: Hmm. Jeff Friedel is the current drummer. Okay. Freese was the drummer until 2011. All right.
1: There's your fact check, everybody. Yeah, yeah.
2: Fact check. Perfect Circle is my number
1: one. All right. That was a good one. All right. My number one pick, The Dead Weather. I actually fucking love this band a lot. Formed in Nashville, Tennessee back in 2009. Allison Mosshart of the Kills on vocals. Dean Fertita on guitar. He was uh, on some of the earlier Queens of the Stone Age stuff. Jack Lawrence on the bass. He was from the Raccoon Tours and also City in Color. And Jack White on the drums. And he's fucking annoyingly impressive. Like that dude bothers the shit out of me. Like every, he just picks up an instrument and nails it. And he's kind of a cocky dick about it. And you can't do nothing about it. You got no argument fucking jack white backs it up this is another super group that i like better than the actual other projects they have although i do like the kills a lot um they record their stuff over at third man records which is jack white's uh own company so their albums always sound really fucking good i know you're a production guy do you ever heard dead weather i have not uh it's rocking more like hard rock uh it's not stoner rock but it's a style that usually doesn't get really good production so it sounds really cool if you go check out like he's he likes weird guitar tones and stuff and he's getting it. it's his own company he's there you know we're here till we close and it's fine you know what i'm saying so the albums are really good really good musicians uh like i said they sound better together than they do apart so uh i re- i recommend this to anybody really metal rock and roll whatever fucking the dead weather Uh, Three albums. It got Whorehound, Sea of Cowards, and uh, Dodge and Burn. So uh, go check those out. I'm not sure if they're doing anything uh, new. I know Jack White's doing a solo project, which was okay. And uh, I think the kills are out torn. So hopefully maybe this year coming up, some new Dead Weather. So yeah, that's my number one. It's a cool name too. Dead Weather. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: all right everyone that is our show for this week hopefully you enjoyed the episode remember to give us a like and a follow on instagram and facebook at two metal for this and drop your own six list in the comment section and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode make sure that you tune in for the next episode we will be talking about six of our favorite concert experiences that's it for this week until next week keep it metal and rage with respect Mm -hmm.
2: Devil Wears Prada and bleed from within. Fuck
1: you. I like that band too.
2: Bleed them within. you.
1: <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> fuck you. We Japanese uh, death pulp Isn't that that band?
0: <laughs> fuck you. Should we just start the whole new segment again? <laughs>